0: I can love God and Him not be king in my life. You understand that? If this makes sense to you, why don't you just wave your hand like that so I know you're with me and this is making sense. Okay. This is critical. This is a critical... I I think we're going to go somewhere else in the Word, but this is so critical right now. I just felt the quickening of this as we were singing that song. We want change in our lives. We want God to do a work in our lives. And, and hear me, I can't make him king for Joel, or at least not this Joel right here. I can only make him king for this Joel. I can't make him king for my wife or my daughter or my son. I can example to them what it is for him to be king in my life. And I can say, hey, as long as you're in my house, he calls the shots. But they still can do their own thing. For God to truly transform my life and yours, we have to allow him to rule and reign in our life. See, the deception is, I love him and he loves me. And that doesn't make him king in your life. It doesn't. It should ultimately lead to that. But it just depends on how committed you are to the relationship. And it depends on whether you're willing to commit yourself to the relationship with him. And whether you're willing to be obedient in that relationship. Because obedience is what makes him king, not love. But obedience of him should be born out of love. This is why Jesus said, if you love me, you will. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, He's a merciful God, and so just like you and I, He allows us to grow in love with Him. Aren't you thankful for that? I got married getting close to 31 years ago, and I know my wife doesn't look old enough, but it's true. I got married almost 31 years ago. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I can say this now. I, I mean, I told her then, but I didn't like really love her then. I liked her a whole lot, enough to make a decision. But I didn't know what love is then like I know love now. I love her. Her. I love her. And guess what? I have feelings for her. But guess what? If I have no feelings, I still love her. Because my love isn't based on feeling. Now, there's times she makes me feel all warm and fuzzy and my heart sort of flutters a little bit and I get all excited. And yeah, that happens. But there's times she makes me mad and I make her mad. And I know it's best that we just be in separate rooms for a moment. But guess what? I still love her because love is because love is not a, is not based on feeling. Now, love has feeling, but then therefore the things I do in our relationship, I do them because I love her because she loves me, not because I feel like it or I don't feel like it today. That makes sense. How much more in relationship with God? He wants to be king in your life and mine. He wants to rule and reign in every part of your heart and your life and every part of my heart and my life. But He will not take the rule. We have to give it to Him. You have to give it to Him. There is a throne. There is a throne. The throne is your heart and mine. The throne is, you understand, it's the one that sits on the throne that calls the shots, right? It's the one that sits on the throne that that determines the direction. It's the one that sits on the throne that says, this is how I'm going to live. It's the one that sits on the throne that, that says, this is the way it's going to be. And you and I make a determination in our relationship with God. Does he sit on the throne or do I sit on the throne? Do I call the shots for my life and my living and my doing and my choosing or does God get to call the shots by His Word and by His Spirit leading and guiding me? And if you want to live in victory and have an overcoming life, you have to settle the issue of who's on the throne. But the, I didn't plan on any of this today. But the reason that some of you You live in this place of instability. Some days it seems like, man, it's great and it's wonderful. Here's why. It's because you decide, okay, you know what? I realize it's better if God's on the throne. So I'm going to try to follow God's word. But then you get a wild hair or you get focused on me again. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to call the shots right now, God. And God says, okay. And he immediately vacates the throne and lets you take the throne back. He doesn't put up a fight. He doesn't put up a fight because he's not opposing your will. If you want to sit on the throne, the moment you decide you want to be on the throne, he vacates. He doesn't hold the throne by force in your life and mine. And so the moment I decide, you know, I think I want my will today, he's like, okay, the throne's yours again. And he waits for you to make him king again. And so in this relationship with God, here's what it looks like in your heart. And in mine. He's on the throne. He's off the throne. He's on the throne. He's off the throne. He's on the throne. He's off the throne. And your life is going like this. That's the difference between your will and his will, my will and his will. Who's on the throne? And you're making that decision day by day, moment by moment, choice by choice. And somewhere along the way, if you and I want to live and walk in victory and in power, we just decide I'm done getting on the throne. It's yours, God. It's yours. I want you to rule and reign in every, this is what, this is the reason why the Lord, when he gave a pattern for prayer, said, When you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. The king's dominion comes. Does he have dominion in your life or not? Now you might say, oh, yes, he does. In this area. Right. And we have to make a decision. To truly walk in power and in victory, we have to allow him to be king and have dominion in every area of our life. What does that mean? In my thoughts in my home, in my family, in my marriage, in my church, in my relationships on the job, in my relationship with my brother, in my relationship, every area of my life, in my business decisions, in in every part of my life. He has to have dominion. Either he's on the throne or I am. Constantly. For some, multiple times in a day, it's like this. Oh, it may not look and feel it. If we could really see it. If we could really see it, that's what it's looking like. Oh, no, I I got this, God. Okay, now God help me. Oh, I got this, God. Now you got. Oh, no, I got this, God. That's what's going on in some of our daily lives. I feel such a witness of the spirit right now. The Lord is trying to help somebody. He wants to rule and reign in your life. And you're going, well, I want him to and I ask him to. How come he doesn't? Because the moment you decide you're going to take control. He lets you. And so what needs to happen? I need to recognize the power of my will. And recognize, hold on, that's me trying to do this. I need the wisdom and the counsel and the, God, what would you do? How would you have me to respond? What would you have me to say? Where would you have me to go? How would you have me to act? What is your decision in this? What does your word have to say about this? What does your spirit and word speak to my life? What am I responding to? My will, my thoughts, human wisdom, or the wisdom that comes from above? It's a king issue. It's a king issue. And here's what happens. You know, I'm I'm not old, but I'm not young anymore. And the danger with getting older, I'm fifty-two. The danger with getting older is you start thinking you know a little bit. You don't believe that? Ask a teenager. No, you should. I'm being lighthearted, right? But God does give us wisdom. He ge- but what happens is I start thinking, you know, I've learned a lot. And by God's grace, we have. But it's so easy to fall into that trap of thinking, you know what, God, I've got this. I'll call you if I need you, Lord. I've learned. I'm 52 years old, God. I got a lot of experience now. So Now, it's one thing to have years of experience that came from walking with God. And you've learned to walk in the wisdom and the spirit of God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about starting to think, you know what, I've got this figured out because I've lived 52 years and I'm pretty smart. And so I can call on God if I get in trouble, but otherwise I'm OK. I have a question for you. Did the Lord Jesus Christ ever heal a blind man in this scripture? He ever heal a blind man in his ministry. Yeah. How'd he do it? What's that? Oh, mud? Yeah. Mud. Is that how he did it every time? Why not? It worked once. I mean, he obviously knew how to do it. Why did he do something different? Why didn't he just do it the same way every time? I mean, he learned. Why? Why? Because... He didn't do anything of himself. He said, I don't do anything except the Father does it in me. The works that I do, it's not me that does them. It's the Father in me that doeth the works. So what was he doing? He was showing and proving. I may have done it this way this time, but I healed this blind eye. This The one guy, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Another one, he did this. Why was he operating differently? Hadn't he learned something yeah, I'll tell you what he learned. He learned that I don't get to call the shots even when I'm healing people. It's the Father that works in me. He's the king. He rules and reigns in my life. And he may have worked through me this way to heal the blind eyes today, but today he said, this is how we're doing it. And he calls the shots, not me. He was our example. But you and I in our humanity are like, no, I've been here. I've done this before. I got this, God. I know what I'm supposed to do. Rather than going, you're the king. What's the direction for my life today? How do you want to? Is this making any sense? You understand, I don't believe for a moment the Lord's trying to share a good thought with us this morning. The Lord is trying to help somebody. He's trying to help me. If you want victory in your life, you got to let him be king. Why is it we seem to do well in some areas and not so much? Usually those areas where we seem not to do so well, I promise you, he's not the king. It's where I became king, stepped on the throne, said, I got this, God. Or, not even I got this, I just want to do what I want, not what the king would want me to do. So I have a question, since we're asking questions this morning. If he's not the king in a decision that I make, then am I operating in his kingdom? It's a yes or no question. No. So here's another question. Do you want to be a part of his kingdom? I do. Oh, no, really, do you, do you want to be a part of the kingdom of God? You and I can't be a part of the kingdom of God if he's not my king. It doesn't work both ways. I want the benefits of his kingship, but I don't want him to be my king. It doesn't work that way. I have to submit myself to his kingship, his lordship. I let him make the choices. You say, I'm a grown adult. Right. Tell me how that's working out for you. You know, I've never had the Lord direct me to do something that's been a problem after the fact. Anybody here? You've ever followed God's direction? And when you knew this is God directing, and you followed his direction, and by the time it was all said and done, man, that was a total mistake. I should have never followed his direction. Anybody got one of those? doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't mean following his direction is always pleasant and wonderful and pleasing and perfect for in the moment. But the end, he knows the end from the beginning. I feel the Spirit of the Lord so urgently reaching to somebody this morning, trying to help you understand. If you will purpose to make Him the King of every area of your life, He will rule and reign with authority and victory and power, and your life will be transformed. But you can't keep living like this. Okay, I'm the King. No, you're the King. Okay, God, you be the King. I'm the king. It, it wears you out. It wears me out. I'm getting a workout and I wasn't planning on it. But I feel like you need a visual of what this looks like in your life. And for some of you, when I'm standing here doing this, you're seeing your life and you're feeling the emotion of the ups and the downs of your life. And I'm telling you, in the Holy Ghost, it's because this kingship thing that you've not settled. You call him king, but you do not allow him to be king. You do not allow him to rule your life. You do not allow him to make decisions in your life. You do not allow him to have dominion in your life. You love... This morning, I hope you know that. But you love your opinion more than you love his word. name I have a question for you I know I got lots of questions this morning but I need you to be thinking we need to be thinking about he wants to rule and reign in your life this is not a bad thing we can hear the word rule and reign think oh ain't nobody no 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 no. it's when he rules and reigns it's a beautiful wonderful thing Would the King of kings and the Lord of lords ever direct you to live in sin? Not a trick question. This is a yes or no question too. Would the King of kings and the Lord of lords ever direct you to live in sin? So why do I? Because I'm king in that area of my life. I'm not allowing him to be the king. I'm choosing to be the king in that area of my life. And I'm ignoring his instruction and direction. I'm talking to you about the difference between victory and bondage. A life of liberty and power in the spirit of God and bondage and defeat and never quite walking in the joy and the power of the spirit. That's the difference. The difference is who's king. The scripture says it this way, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, it is peace and it is joy. And that's what I want. That's what I want. I really admire many of you. Probably all of you in some way or another. But I think of some of you. You're sort, of, you're sort of going at it alone. It feels that way. You're not, but it can feel that way. You feel like you're going at it alone, making that decision. He's going to be the king of my life. He's going to be the king of my life. And you've made that determination, regardless of what those around you do or don't do. I'm telling you, don't be weary and well-doing. Don't be weary and well-doing. Don't be weary. Somebody hear me. Don't be weary and well-doing. Your king will have the final say if you allow him to remain on the throne of your heart. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't, don't get frustrated to the point of despair. Don't get, don't get frustrated to the point of giving up and throwing in the towel. Just purpose. God, you're going to be king going to be king in my life. And I believe it will become a testimony to the life beside me, around me, in front of me, behind me. I believe it will be a testimony. I'm going to continue to make you king. I'm going to let you rule and reign. And as you illuminate to me areas that you're not yet, I'm going to give you dominion in those areas too. As you continue to speak to my life and show me the areas that I haven't yet released God by your grace, I'm going to release them to you. I want you to be the thr- on the throne of every element and every area of my life. I don't want anything held in reserve from you, Lord. I want you to be the king. Would you talk to him again right there where you are right now, please? In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, talk to him. Maybe he's illuminating areas to you right now. Talk to him about those areas of your heart if he's illuminating it. Seek to relinquish it to him by the power of his spirit, by the love of God that's reaching to you right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You understand for this to take place. There has to be repentance. There has to be repentance. Repentance. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. I'm probably saying that wrong because I'm not Greek. I haven't learned to speak it. But something like that. Metanoia. Metanoia. It's the change of one's thinking. The change of how one thinks. And once your thinking changes truly, your actions change. That makes sense. Like, if I think drinking coffee will cause me to will cause me to lose my feet. I don't know why that came to my mind. I'm just trying to think something goofy. I'll stop drinking coffee. Let me, right? If I truly believe that and my thinking says that's going to make that happen, I'm going to stop drinking coffee. But I don't think that. Right? I don't think that. So I'll have a cup of coffee every morning. Everybody please said, please God. You. If you don't drink coffee, that's okay. I'm praying for you. But I, no, I'm kidding. But, right? What I think affects my action. True repentance. When I truly repent, when my thinking changes, my action changes. Repentance isn't, I'm sorry. I can be sorry and continue to do the same thing. That's not repentance. Repentance is a change of thinking. And when my thinking changes, then my action changes. That's what the word repentance in Scripture means, the change of one's thinking. And so true repentance has to take place in my life for him to be king. When I recognize me calling my own shots and ruling and reigning in my life, is bringing destruction and causing me the then I'm like, my thinking's got to change and I see the end. and therefore I repent, I change my thinking and my action follows. I submit that area to him. I'm not standing here telling you that's easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. but when I get once I get a glimpse of the cost of me being king, I'm willing to repent. I want to repent. And when you and I truly repent. The Lord Jesus comes to our aid and begins to enable us to do what we cannot do ourselves. That's grace. He enables us to do what we cannot do ourselves. Luke chapter 13. I think I'm going to hurry up here and finish, maybe. Don't hold me to that. I will finish today, I promise. Luke chapter 13. Verse number 1. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. That was not a good thing, by the way. It was a bad thing. And they saw it as a bad thing. Verse 2, And Jesus answering said to them, Do you suppose that, the Gal- that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? He said, Hey, because of what they did, do you suppose that they're all worse sinners? Jesus said to them, verse 3, I tell you, nay or no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. What? What did he do? He pulled this example to the forefront to them that was a terrible thing. The Galileans mixing blood with sacrifices. Pilate mixing the blood of Galileans with their sacrifice. To them that was a terrible, terrible thing. Jesus brought that terrible thing to the forefront, and he said, "Do you suppose that they were sinners above all the other because of how terrible their action was?" And Jesus said, "I'll answer the question for you. No." And then he turned back to them and said, "Except you repent." you shall all likewise. What is that likewise? Just like those Galileans that you see doing this terrible thing, except you repent, you'll perish like them. That's what he was saying. Verse 4. Or He grabs another example from their history. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Do you think that they were sinners above all that dwelt in Jerusalem? Right, You look at somebody that the wrath or the judgment of God came on him. He knew what they thought, didn't he? He knew how they thought about it. Oh, yeah, those guys, they were terrible. They were heathens. They were wretches. They got what was coming to them. Jesus said, I tell you, no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise, just like those that the tower fell on. You'll perish. Another place in Scripture says that at the advent of Jesus' ministry, he came preaching the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? He came preaching the kingdom. He came preaching the message of who's going to rule and reign. I have no doubt at all that he did it better than we've been doing today. But he came preaching the kingdom. And he said this. And except you repent, you'll perish. He was saying, if you don't follow the kingdom and let him be king, if you don't repent and make him king, you'll perish he came preaching the kingdom and said except you repent you will perish repent of what repent of ruling your own life rather than letting him i i was sharing this with some Yesterday, and I'm, I've been sharing it with different people along the journey because it's been in my heart the last few weeks. I'll seek to finish quickly with the story, or at least finish with the story. I was praying and thanking the Lord the other day for His goodness. Uh, my wife and I had uh, an event take place in our life, and uh, I, I was just the next day I was thanking God for it it was it was a it was a small token of his goodness and his grace, and it just made me reflect on his goodness and grace along the journey that had brought us to that place and I really was my heart was filled with gratitude I was thanking him in prayer that morning, and I just you ever just Getting the presence of God, and you're just thankfulness. Seemed, nothing you produced, but you just start thanking Him, and you feel His goodness, and you just can't. That's how it was. I was just so thankful. I, and you know, He and I'm thanking Him for that, and thanking Him for the things along the journey that brought to that point. And He really He caught me by surprise, and He said to me. It's because you repented. And I'm like, what? I mean, it sort of stopped. He it's because you repented. I wasn't sure I was understanding. So I've learned the Lord. Has, Lord talks to us all different. Me, I can. It, it seems like not always, but oftentimes I'll be praying and worshiping talking to the Lord, and then he'll say something to me that just, like, arrests my attention, like, I didn't expect that. I've learned when that happens to stop talking and start listening. And so he arrested my attention. He said, it's because you repented. And I'm like, okay, stop talking, listen. He's trying to bring some understanding to you here. I'm listening and the Lord began to walk me back through the journey that had brought us in 22 and a half, 23 years to the milestone that we had celebrated that I was giving him thanks for. And he took me all the way back to the beginning when I was crying out for help and in desperation because of where we were as a result of my own doing. He took me all the way back to he took me back to a place where I was sitting on the floor in my living room, crying out, laying things out before him and just saying, God, I don't even know what to do. But you got to help me. I don't know what to do. I've made a mess here. I don't know what to do. But I remember making this statement, sitting in the floor in that living room that day, 20 something years." If you'll help me, I'll never go this way again. I'll never make these mistakes again by your grace. I'll not do that again. He reminded me of that when I was giving him thanks. And he said, it's because you truly repented. Now, did I see the results of true repentance during those 22 and a half years? Absolutely, I have. And will I still see more? I believe I will. The milestone along the journey was a reminder. See, sometimes we will repent and we don't see all the results we'd like to see in that moment of repentance or shortly thereafter. So rather than continuing to walk in repentance, we'll go back to that which we repented of. And we wonder why we never see the fullness of the blessing of God when we repented. You didn't stay in the journey. Repentance isn't a one-time act. Repentance is a lifestyle. A change of one's thinking that produces the action. Is this making sense? True repentance. And so this has come to me from that. Element where the Lord said, because you repented, I begin. I don't know what you would do, but I begin thinking about all the places along the journey where not that I could remember all of them because I've had to do it a lot. Places along the journey where I've repented, where he's continued to work on my thinking and change my thinking. And he's still doing that because I'm still human, just like you. And so I'll use this example. Imagine with me. This is only an imagine. It's hypothetical. Imagine with me that I'm a thief. Okay. Imagine with me that all of us are thieves. Okay. And that we are good at it. We're good at stealing. And we know we're good at it. And not only are we good at it, we enjoy it sometimes. Lots of times. We know we shouldn't, but we enjoy it. And so daily, matter of fact, before I came to church this morning, I went by Walmart, just a hypothetical. And then on Monday, I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to go to Home Depot today. And daily, I find myself Home Depot or Target or Walmart because I'm a thief and I... I I know I shouldn't, but I enjoy doing it, and I get stuff when I do it, and so it brings me some pleasure, even though I know it's not right, but I get pleasure out of it. You, know, you understand, sin can be pleasurable. Sin can be pleasurable. The Bible says of Moses that he chose to endure the afflictions of the righteous rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He knew the pleasures of sin were only for a season. And so, watch. So, so it's one store today, another store tomorrow. It's a new power tool here, it's a it's a you know, new computer there, it's a right, because I'm a thief, we're thieves. We. Okay, we're together on this journey right now. That way you don't forget it's hypothetical. Okay. At least I hope it's hypothetical for all of us. Every day, every day. But I decide. God deals with me. I know, Brother Zario, I shouldn't be stealing. I shouldn't be doing this. I know that the Word teaches me against that. I know that doesn't please God. I know it's contrary to His Word. So I'm going to repent. And I've repented. So I'm glad to report to you that because I've repented, I now only go to the stores on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I'm hoping to get to the point where I only go to the stores on Monday and Friday. Question for you. Have I repented? No. no. And that's the deception of him being king or not. I haven't truly repented I'm just trying to get better at not sitting on the throne so often. Trying to slow that craziness down a little bit. But my thinking has not changed. I've not truly repented. You want to see change in your life that only God can bring. You want victory over some areas that you keep battling. Repent. Let God illuminate to you the end result of unrepented sin. Let God illuminate to you the end result of never changing fully and making him king in your life. And when you and I get a glimpse of that and we realize he's revealing it to us, not because he's trying to scare us half to death, that's not how God works, he doesn't operate with fear. He's revealing it to us because he loves us and he desires to save us from ourselves and from an eternity of being lost. And so he reveals it to us. That's the love of God. Would you stand with me this morning? Do you know how much this matters to God? Let me show you how much it matters to God. In Matthew chapter 11, watch this, Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 20, Matthew 11 and 20. Speaking of Jesus, then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. The cities, the people, where? Where he'd done a lot of stuff. Mighty works. He began to upbraid them. He'd healed people there. He probably raised the dead in Some. He'd cast out devils. He'd done many mighty works in those cities. And he began to upbraid them. Why did he upbraid them? Because they repented not. They saw the works of God. They saw the demonstration of his spirit and his power. But they still wouldn't repent. And so he upbraided them. Why wouldn't they repent? Because they loved ruling their own life. Bless you. Verse 21. Listen what he says. This is him upbraiding them. Woe to you, Corzin! Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes, if that isn't enough, look at verse 22. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And he goes further, verse 23. And you, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, you'll be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. You you remember Sodom, right? Sodom, the one where Lot got cast out, got rescued. Him and his family got taken out. And then the Lord destroyed it with fire and brimstone. You remember Sodom, right? That's Sodom. Jesus said, Capernaum, you that's exalted to heaven, you're going to be brought down to hell. Because if the mighty works that were done in Capernaum had been done in Sodom, Sodom would have still been there today. He was addressing the hardness of their heart, verse 24. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Why? Because the Spirit of God has manifested itself to you, Capernaum. But you didn't repent. You wouldn't allow the mighty works that you saw, the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God to cause you to make a change in your thinking. You understand. The scripture is very clear. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the word of the Lord. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. God brings things in your life that produces a sorrow, but it's temporary. It's the love of God and the goodness of God that causes you to sorrow over these things because he's trying to bring you and I to a place of genuine repentance to where I'll not continue to go back. But I want to repent on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but not the other days. Would you allow the Lord to lead you and I to a place of letting him rule? And this is for every one of us. I'm talking to myself today, too. I want every part of my thinking to be submitted to his word and his spirit. Because I want Him to rule and reign in every part of my life. And the way for Him to rule and reign is to me find places of repentance when He illuminates it to me that says, I'm no longer leaning on my thinking. I'm opening this altar to you today. Would you find a place of prayer with Him and let the goodness of God, let the goodness of God... Come on, maybe there's some things where you've... Again and again and again. We're going to fall again. We're human. We have to get back up. I understand that. This doesn't mean... Once I repent, I'll never fall again. No, but it means I don't go to a place of repentance just going, Oh, you know, if I fall again, I'm just going to repent and take it casually. I come in the fear of God seeking a place of genuine repentance so that I'll not continue to return to that which He would deliver me from, that I'll not continue to turn to ruling and reigning as King, but allowing Him to rule and reign in every part of my heart and life. By Your grace today, Lord, I repent. Let my mind be anointed by Your Word and by Your Spirit. Let my thinking be transformed by the Word of God. Let my thinking be transformed by the Spirit of God. Come on, this is between you and the Lord. I can't repent for you. You can't repent for me. This is between you and the Lord between you and the Lord. Father, I submit my thoughts to you. I submit my heart to you. I pray let the light of your word shine into my life. Let it shine into my spirit. Let it shine into my heart. Let it shine into my home. Let it shine into my relationships. Show me my part, God. I submit to you. I humble myself before you this morning. I want to walk in true repentance whereby I can walk in true victory, where you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, not only in word, but in action indeed, to where you rule in every element, in every attitude, in every part of my life. Come on, talk with Jesus. Talk with Him, you and Him, you and Him, you and Him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I can't make him king for anybody else. I can't make him king in somebody else's heart and life. I can only submit my heart and life to him and say, here it is, Lord. Here it is. And perhaps through my life, you would be glorified so that someone else would make decisions that let you be king in their life. But as for me, God, I submit my heart to you by your grace today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is wanting to use us. He's using us and He's desiring to take us into dimensions we've not walked in in the Spirit. He's desiring to take us to dimensions we've not operated in yet in His kingdom as fully as He wants us to operate. But to do so, there's got to be Every area that He illuminates, when He does, we've got to walk in repentance. Begin to walk in repentance. In the name of Jesus, come on, it's a matter of our thinking, how we think, how we walk, our actions day by day. It's not about being perfect. It's about submitting our thoughts and actions and attitude to Him. Jesus, in your name, show me how to think. Show me what to think, I pray. Come on, the Lord's thoughts towards you are good. To bring you and I to an expected end, an end of peace. The appeal of the Lord today is one desiring to use and operate through you and I. He's not trying to chastise or judge. He's trying to bring us to a place of healing and victory where we walk in Him. But it must come from a place, a spirit, an attitude, a lifestyle of repentance. I'm afraid we've made repentance an act once or twice along the way. Or if I stumble and fall, then. I, but I want to live and walk in it. What does that mean? I can be heading in a direction and the Spirit of God can deal with me. And I'll be like, I'm sensitive. Lord, I repent right now. Lead me the way I need to go. If I make a turn slightly off kilter, then I trust your Spirit to lead me in repentance. I want my thinking to be established by you, God. I want my thoughts to be established by you, God.